a time to weep and a time to fight. And if you got your Bibles, go to 1 Samuel 30. Man, I'm having some good time with the Lord these days. I'm telling you, I went through a little rough patch. And uh, man, I, I mean, sweet communion and fellowship with God right now. If you don't have it, God wants to give that to you. And He wants you to have that time together. The simplicity of God's Word. I used to want to complicate things so much. And I think with age... I'm slowing down, and the simplicity of God's Word is just so great. It's just so great. Don't try to impress Him. Don't try to show off. Don't try to impress others. Just, just simply take His Word and just love it and love Him. He's the great one. He's the one that's, uh, that we ought to be impressed by. Amen? And I'm telling you, it's just wonderful, His Word. And as I read the Bible, uh, I find myself in this passage of Scripture just absolutely encouraged by David in this passage of Scripture because David faced a calamity in this, in this book right here, and uh, he, a, a terrible calamity that he's about to face in this place, and he's determined to get the Word of God in the midst of his calamity. And that's kind of what we're going to look at, a simple, simple message today, a time to weep and a time to fight. I mean, it's just going to be quite simple, and uh, you should be able to follow along and, 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 and uh, really, really get what God, what the Spirit of the Lord is trying to say to us this morning. So let me pray, and then we're going to read the first eight verses, and uh, let's just dive right into God's Word. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your precious promises, God. Lord, it's time to go in the book ourselves and get a word from you, God. Lord, it's not a day, God, where we want to play church or, or, or God, uh, just play games anymore. Those times are gone, Lord. It's time to get our relationship right with you. God, the nations of the world, the earth is shaking. Everything that is, uh, can be shaken will be shaken. And only that which can remain will remain. And that's what's built on your word, God. And so, Lord, we just ask you to just absolutely help us to take your promises now and just impart them into our life. God, build our life on your foundation, God, on a, on a rock, on a solid rock. You said in that passage of Scripture, Lord, the wise man, God, he dug down and built a foundation and it was founded on the rock. It was, and when the winds and the storms came, it came to the whole world. It came to both those all over the world, to the, to the righteous and the unrighteous, but the ones who had their house built on a foundation. Their house stood. It stood firm. And God, we want to stand firm in this last hour. We want to be a testimony that we can point others and say the reason we're standing firm and the reason our house is still standing is because of our great God. And we want to point them to you, Father. We, we don't want our lives built on sinking sand. We don't want it built on humanism. We don't want to build on human ideas or philosophies of men. God, we don't want to be built on pop culture or psychology or any other uh, any other foolishness that this world has to offer. We want our lives to be built on the, on the rock upon Jesus Christ in this last hour, God. Speak to our hearts and change our lives through the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So if you got your Bibles, let's start reading in 1 Samuel chapter 30 about David at a particular time in his life and uh, what the Word of God says here. Sorry, I'm in the wrong place here. Let me find Samuel, the book of Samuel be finding it. I could probably turn around it, probably be on the screen, and it is, but I'll find it right here in my Bible. Here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now it happened when David and his men had come to Ziklag on the third day. I like that. This young lady's standing. I think you ought to stand. I think we ought to follow her example and honor the Word of God. I, I just love that. Hallelujah. 
Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked, uh, they attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahianon, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then David said to Abiathar, the priest Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now look at verse 18. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two Wives, the Bible tells us. You may be seated. Now, today we're facing many calamities in this world. We just came through uh, or are in the midst of what I would say is one of the greatest calamities we've ever faced. It, it, Marcy and I were talking about this as we went yesterday and just uh, we're, we're going out to shop and we were just, just discussing how how in one hour, in one day, our lives changed. We talked about 9-11 and how 9-11 changed the entire face of the earth, but it mostly traveled, it was mostly travel. Some of the economies were, were teetered and, and, and some wars went on. But we're talking about this calamity. How it, it affected every person on the face of the earth. Not just America, the entire world. Everybody right now is uh, affected by COVID-19. Everybody's lifestyle is affected. Everybody has changed. No matter what you think about it, whether you think it's this or that, it really doesn't matter. It has affected every person on the face of the earth. And uh, nobody knows, like David here, nobody knows what's going on today in a lot of the situation. We have all these talking heads. We have all these experts who want to come out and tell us what to do. Do, what not to do. Everybody's in disagreement. Do you use this? Do you do that? Do you vaccinate? Do you not vaccinate? I mean, everybody's just going mad. We've got uh, people telling you to, to do this over here and another group telling you to do this over there. But nobody really knows what to do. Nobody really has the answer for our problems. And uh, But I can tell you this, God does not leave us without answers. God does not leave His people without answers. And so the question is, how do we react in a time like this? How do we react? How did David react? How did his 600 men react? How do we react when we're facing calamities like what we're seeing on the earth today? Well, I'm telling you, God never leaves His church and His people without answers. If you'll go into the book 
He always gives us a reason for the things that are happening. He always gives us direction. He does not leave His people without answers. He does not leave His people without direction. If we will just take the time, He prepares His people for what's going on on the face of the earth. He be, he, we may not always understand it, but He prepares us. He gives us the tools necessary to walk through the seasons of life that we walk through. People have walked through the depression. They've walked through, uh, they have walked through recessions. They have walked through calamitous times in this nation. They've walked through uh, communism invading the earth at times. They've walked through a, a, a hellish Hitler and a Holocaust where six million Jews were exterminated in death camps. We, we have walked through calamitous times and God always prepares and warns His people during those times. Amen? But you got to go into the book. You got to know what God's saying. You got to get into the scriptures for yourself and begin to seek the, the answers from God because I'm telling you, if you'll go into the book, God will speak to us. He will begin to tell us some things that we need to know. And a lot of times, going into the book, a lot of the people that I love and study and listen to, they'll tell you that if you go and look what God did in the past, you can understand what He's going to do in the future. See, that was a big mistake in this nation. When you quit teaching history and nobody gave a rip about history anymore. That was a big detriment to our nation. Because you're doomed to repeat things if you don't learn from the past. And so despite all the foolish social things we've put in our schools today, we should have stuck to the basics of reading, writing, and arithmetic, and history, and Bible, and some of the things that, that got us to where we are today so that we don't repeat the problems that we have in the future. Amen? That's a little more important than sex education, in my opinion. And so how do we react in calamity? If we'll take the time to get in this book, God will speak to us about the calamity. And God is humbling the nations of the world right now. He is absolutely humbling countries and nations. But I can tell you this, He has everything under His control. If you want to, you don't have to worry about who's in control of the nations. You don't have to worry about who's in control of the world. I'm telling you this. And God begins to tell us, I think He would like to say something to us about, hey Brad, all this preaching you've been doing about me and about the things of God throughout the years. All these things that y'all been studying and talking about. All the things that Christians boast about about me. Are those just words now or when you face calamity? Do you really believe what, what you say about me? Do you really believe what you've read about me? Do you really believe what you tell others about me? And I believe that's the question God is asking us today as we face calamity. Natasha, you boast about this. You've told other people about me. Now, hey, uh, do, do, you, do you put up or shut up? Do you believe what you're saying? Now that you're face to face with calamity, now that you're face to face with difficult days, now that you're face to face, it's said you've boasted about me being a God who supplies all your needs according to your great riches and glory. Now, you think I'm going to do it or not? I, you, you boasted about I'm the Lord that heals you. Do you believe that I heal or don't you? You boasted about how I'm a shield and a buckler around you. You boasted that I'm a strong tower that the righteous can run in and be safe. Were those just words you spouted in good times? Or are those words that you can say during calamitous times as well? Amen? Because here's the problem with the internet, with the news, with the, with the things that we're bombarding our faces and our minds with every two seconds of the day, you can become a scoffer real quick. 
Because when the flashpoint of calamity happens, what do we do? The instinct kicks in immediately to fear and to panic and to worry. And then we're on here every five seconds. Oh, oh, what's going to happen? Beirut, there was a bomb. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Hey, it's spreading. Oh, goodness. And, and just everything is just beep, 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 beep. And it's just every five seconds. Oh, let me read the Bible. Boop. Oh, my goodness. And we're just terrified when the calamity starts rolling in and, and fear begins to uh, fill our hearts. And the Bible tells us we are to fix our face like flint, not on this, but on this. Christ fixed his face like flint towards the Father. That's what he did. And the Bible tells us that we are to fix our face like flint towards the words of God, towards the promises of God, because our faith is going to be tested now in ways like we've never seen it before, folks. I'm telling you, the days that we're talking about, we've preached about them, we've talked about them, we've said about them being the last days. We've talked about those days. Perilous times would come. We talked about a time like never before as not just one antichrist is coming on the scene in the last days but there are already many antichrists out here that are deceiving the world we talk about strong delusions that people from God that men will believe a lie and be damned we see all these things that we read in the Bible but now that they're here upon us we act like what's happening what's going on and we begin to doubt and we begin to waver but our faith is going to be tested in this last days and that's why Jesus had an unwavering faith in his father you can read it in Isaiah 50 and 7 it talks about the cross and it talks about Jesus having this face like flint so that he could face it and that he could go through it and folks I'm telling you we need to get our face like flint towards Jesus Christ fixing your eyes upon Jesus the author and finisher of our faith amen and so we need to live in the word of God now so how David reacted in times of calamity is so important. Let me kind of recap the, the story. I've been reading this so much. I've been reading. God's had me in some places that I've never gone before, and I love it. I mean, I've been there, but I mean, like, never camped out in them. And I mean, it's just fun to get up and see where we're going with God this week and where we're going with God today. And it's just uh, amazing uh, the things that he will show you in Scripture. I was in Jeremiah a while back, and then I went to Ezekiel, tried to kind of go to Ezekiel on my own, and then now God's got me over in the life of David. And man, it's just absolutely phenomenal. But how did David react in this time of calamity? Let me give, go over the story real quick. Quick, If you back up to 1 Samuel about 27, the first several chap, uh, verses there, it talks about how David is running from Saul during this period of time before Ziklag. He's running from Saul. Saul's chasing after him. And David does something that really is an act of, uh, it's uncharacteristic sort of of David, and it's an act of unbelief that David actually does. The Bible tells us that he allies with the Philistines. He does it kind of reacting out of fear. He goes down and begins to go and live among the Philistines to stay away from Saul because he, he decides this. He says, hey, if, if, if I go down here, I'm tired of being chased like a, like a, like a rat into holes, and, and I'm sick of this. He's going to eventually catch me if I'm not careful. And 
so I tell you what, I'm just going to go down into the Philistine territory. I'm going to stay there because there's no way Saul's going to run down into Philistine territory because if he comes down into Philistine territory chasing me with his armies, he's, he's got a war on his hand. So he's not going to chase me down into there, so he'll leave me alone. So David goes down into the Philistine country and he allies himself with the king there and, and, and with the Philistines. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 29.1 that the Philistines are uh, come to a period of time where they're going to attack Israel. Well, backing up right before that, when David first arrives there, he asks the king for some land. He tells him, uh, can we at least have a place where my men, because there's about 400 and it grows to 600, about 600 men are there with him. Uh, and so he says, I need a place for me and my men to stay that's just ours. And so the king says, hey, I got a little place called Ziklag and you can go and your people can live there and you'll be fine and that's where you'll go. And so David puts his camp and his base there. He goes out and fights some squirmishes against these, this Amorite and that tight and this Hittite and whateverite. And he goes and he does some battles, brings back, shows the king that he's being faithful and all that good stuff. And so he's got a place there. Well, now they've come to a place and a time where they're going to go out and go to war with Israel. And so David is about to do align himself up with, with, uh, with, with, the, with the enemy against his own people here, the Bible tells us. And all of a sudden, they, they're heading out to war. The king really trusts David. He's like fully confident in David's ability. David has, is a man of, uh, of war. David is a man who literally can go out and just absolutely fight battles and win and, and, and do incredible feats for God. And so uh, he, he, he's doing amazing uh, things before this. He comes down into the Philistine camp. The Philistines are there. He aligns himself up with the king. And now the, they're about to go into battle against, they're about to march towards Jezreel where, where Saul and his men are lined up waiting to battle. And they're about to go into battle. And the captain or the princes in, in the, uh, that are there under the king of the Philistines says, wait just a cotton pick a minute. We're not going to, uh, we can't do this. Wait, wait, we're not going to, this guy over here, do you realize who you've got in your army? Do you realize the guy that is here, that this guy is their people? He's, he's on their side. Do you not realize this is the one they sang about that Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands? Do you not know that when we go into battle with this guy, that he could turn on us and start killing us and do that for his people? We're not going into battle. And the king starts saying, he's good. I promise he's the man. He says, oh, I put him over my bodyguards. I put him over uh, the, 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 uh, in my army and he's been faithful. Nothing but faithful. They said, we don't care. Get him out of here. So he bring, comes to David. He says, David, I know you're not a man that would double cross me. I know you're faithful. I know you would fight for us. But look, I can't take the risk. You're going to have to go back to, to where you came from. Go back to Ziklag. You're not going to be able to fight in this battle. So he sends David away. And that's where this story comes and picks up that David and his men are coming. They've, they've left the battle and now they're coming and they're heading over the hill towards Ziklag where they've been away from their wives. They've been away from their children. They've been away from their cattle and their possessions and all their stuff. They come over the hill and they see smoke coming up. T calamity. Calamity is there. They come over the hill. They see the smoke. They run to where the fire is. They're, it's absolutely desolate. They have, they have totally destroyed Ziklag. They have taken all the wives captive. They've taken all the children captive. They've taken every bit of their possessions and they've left with them and they are absolutely 
absolutely distraught. These are grown men who have taken spear into battle and thrust it into the bellies of people and slit the necks and throats of people. These men don't cry. They're like U.S. Marines. They, they are like, they're bad to the bone. But all of a sudden, these men come over the hill. It's one thing to have your possessions gone. It's one thing to have your houses burned. It's another thing to come home and your wife and your children are kidnapped. And they weep like baby boys. They weep till they can't weep another drop of weeping. And there is distress in their heart. They are distraught. I'm talking like calamitous. I'm talking like Beirut. I'm talking about an explosion and 300,000 are homeless. And where are we going to live? And what are we going to do? And why would God allow this? I mean, that's where these men are. We were doing, we were doing, hey, we're, we're, we were, you know, we do come into time. Of, we were doing the will of God. We were working for God. And now, now this has happened. And, all, and so all of a sudden, they come and, and they come over the hill. They see the smoke. The Amalekites have come and, and invaded Ziklag just two days before, a couple days before. And they kidnapped the wives and the children. There's nothing left but ashes. 1 Samuel 30 and 3 says, So David and his men come to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. And again, how do they react? How do these men react? Well, uh, the, the the, the first of this message, there is a time to weep. There is a time in calamity to weep. Right? There's a time to weep in calamity. There's a time, if you don't, something's wrong with your heart. We need to pray for you. You're just numb and you've just like, like closed yourself off. There is a time to weep. David and his men come. They're stunned at what happened. They're, they're in disbelief at how this could happen. How could God allow this? And look at what it says in verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. There's a time to tremble. There's a time to weep, the Bible tells us. And, and, and what we're facing in the world today brings some of us to distress. It brings some of us to worry. It brings some of us to fear. And, and, I, and, I, and I, don't, I say this kind of lightly and I don't say it for dramatic effects, but you've not really not seen anything yet as to what's coming on this world in the last days. We're just at the beginning. Of, of, of what of, of the perilous times we're just in the midst of birth pains and so so let me just tell you we're going to see things that like we've never seen before in these last days but again God is in control God is in control God is in control weep not the line of the tribe of Judah shall prevail amen God is in control and so so, so here these men are and they're ready to take up stones. They're, they're ready to blame because that's what we do in calamity. When we don't know what's going on and we can't find the answer, what do we do? We get on CNN and Fox News and start throwing stones at each other and blaming everybody. And we get in Congress and we get in the Senate and we begin to just lamb blast everybody. And we go to work and we go everywhere else and we got to find something. We go to our churches and start blaming the pastors and we got to find somebody to blame, right? 
We've got to find somebody to get mad at and somebody to blame for the problems that are going on. And that's exactly what these men began to do in this time. They began to, they began to and guess what? Coming out and just saying, trust God. Uh, sometimes in those times, uh, you know, do you have a word for me? Uh, I heard about a pastor that called another pastor one time and he, was, he had been hit with some bad news. Like I think he had got like terminal cancer news. And he called this pastor who gets a lot of words from God, who really goes into the book and studies and he said he said do you have a word for me and he said I, I, I've called and he said I got all these voices going in my, my brain everybody's calling me with all these telling me these words to get from God and all these and, 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 and the pastor said a few years ago I would have had a word for you he said I would have thrown a bunch of scripture at you like all these other people are doing but he said here's what I'm going to tell you I don't have a word from you now you need to go get your own word And that's what's taking place here with David. That's what's taking place at this time. After a period of time of weeping, there is a time to fight. I said after a time of weeping, there is a time to fight for your faith. There is a time to fight for the Word of God. There's a time to fight for your relationship with God. And David stunned. David knocked half out. David about to be stoned. David all by himself. He has Abiathar, the priest there. He could turn to him and say, do you have a word for me? Do you have a word? He has all the wisest counsel and men around him. He could have turned to other people and said, do you have a word? But I love what David did in the time of calamity. Here's how he responded. He steps aside and gets away for a moment and he says, bring me the ephod. Now the ephod was a garment that the priest had and, and it had the unum and the thermon on it and it had two stones on it there in the breastplate and they were white and black and I don't know, scholars don't really, can't, can't really confirm how they, they did it but somehow when they put the ephod on they would inquire of God and usually with like yes, no answers or, or some things, should we go to battle, should we not go to battle and somehow the Lord spoke to them and they got an answer in that and so David turns and he says bring me the ephod and he begins to find uh, he fights for his faith he fights to get a word from God he recognizes that in this calamitous time no man can help him that I need a word from the Lord there's a time to weep but there's a time Raymond to get up and fight for the word of God so he steps aside and the Bible says in verse 8 that David inquired of the Lord he said, there's no man can help me. Now hear me, folks. You're going to need this in the days ahead. Because you just found out there's days that you can't get to a preacher because they're locked in quarantine in their home. There's days you can't get to a church because the church was shut down. Okay? If I'd have said that six months ago, you would have looked at me like a deer in a headlight. But, but, but you look at me today, it happened in this nation and it happened around the world, right? Some places are not even back to this day. What are you going to do when you're faced with a calamitous time like that? You're going to do what David did. You're going to fight for your faith. You're going to fight for a word from the Lord. You're going to turn to God and get on your knees in prayer and get the answer from God. Amen? 
And so in verse 7, David called for the ephod. He said, bring me the ephod. I must have a word for myself. I must have a word that will keep me going and see me through this trial and through this calamity. And he got a word. What was it? God said, go and you shall recover all. David got the direction. God told him, go and you're going to recover all. Now, folks, and now he had a word. He had a word for himself and he had a word to come out and bring these distraught men that were there and didn't know what to do. They were about ready to kill him. He said, hey, get your swords. Put them in your sheath. We're going to battle. My God has spoken and we're about to go find the Amalekites and we're going to get back our wives. We're going to get back our children and we're going to get back even more. Amen? And so he tuned out all the voices of humanity. He tuned out every voice. He got the ephod. He got on his knees in prayer. And he heard from God. Now here's the deal. A couple of things that you got to come and think about in this passage of Scripture. Number one is that David doesn't know where the Amalekites are, does he? Where are they? Where do you start going to find the Amalekites? He just has a word, go, go and you shall recover all. I believe David had the voice that we have today with us, the voice behind us, Isaiah calls it, the voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. This is where you go. Look, we have been given the Holy Spirit now that lives in us, the promise of God to comfort us and to guide us and lead us into all truths. And it is a voice that we can hear that directs our path. It begins, he begins to tell us which way to go. Turn to the right, turn to the left, stop, go, stay. And steal. And I believe that. I believe that, that, that as we begin to go out in the journey, if we'll listen to the voice of God, if we'll get into the Word of God, we'll get direction from the Spirit of God. Amen? And so David called for the ephod. God spoke. David, the Bible says, encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. He encouraged himself, folks. Look at what Hebrews 12 and 12 says. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that that which is lame may be dislocated, uh, may no longer be dislocated, but rather it may be healed. That's taken from Isaiah 35, by the way. Listen at verse 3. It says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. I preached that last week. I put the wrong uh, chapter and verse on there and I apologize. It's Isaiah 35 uh, at verse 3. But, but, but here was a man that he's saying the meaning of that verse is don't stay down. Don't stay down. You've been, you've been, your faith is weak. You, you, you're, you're crippled. You, the, the, the calamity has brought you to a crippling place. Don't let your faith be popped out of joint. Don't let your trembling knees cause something to be dislocated or something to be uh, uh, where you can't keep going in the faith. No. He says don't give in to that sore trembling of knees. Keep running or you'll be crippled and you'll be lame. Don't succumb to the fear and to the worry. And David's men were so crippled. They were so out of joint that they wanted to stone him during this time. And so so they needed to be strengthened. They needed their feeble knees to be strengthened. And they needed uh, their faith to be be strengthened. And that's what David did. He encouraged himself in the Lord during this time so that that didn't happen to him. Bring me the ephod. Let me get a word from God. He began 
to get on his knees. He began to get in prayer. Begins to get in the word of God like we would to do today. So that, he can, so that his joints can be strong. His faith can be strong. And now he can get the voice of God. Hey, go and recover all. Whoa, my knees are back. I'm running. I'm running to the battle, folks. And that's what you've got to have today. Amen. If nobody else will encourage yourself in the Lord. Going to the, man, I'm finding myself more days where I'm just feeling down. I just shut the blinds in my little, and I just turn on some praise music and I just get my Bible out and I just start to say, God, you got to help me. Encourage me. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And so don't let your faith become lame and pop out of joint. We have, we have this abiding Holy Spirit in us that will, that will uh, speak to us. And, and like David, we must encourage ourselves now in the Lord. You've got to. You're, 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 listen, husbands, you can't depend on your wives to encourage you in your relationship with God. You can't let them do all the Bible reading. Husbands, wives, you can't let the husbands do all the seeking of God and all the Bible reading and all the prayer. you got to get it yourself. Hear me now. You've got to get a relationship with God yourself. Can't just be the preacher. Can't we just be the... I go to church. Oh, do you know the Lord? Oh, I go to church. I go to that Brookside Church of God. What kind of answer is that? Do you know the Lord? Do you spend time with God? I could care less if you, if you belong to a church. Do you know Jesus Christ? Is He your all in all? If you know Him, you will, it will follow to a church and a group of people that you'll gather with. But do you know the Lord? Do you have a relationship with Him? Do you talk with Him? Do you go into His Word? Do you know His promises? Do you know what He's like? And so, so the Bible tells us we got to go in here, encourage ourselves, and build ourselves up in the faith so that our knees don't tremble and don't get weak and we get crippled and we get lame in our faith and all we do is weep forever. No, there comes a time of weakness but then you encourage yourself in the Lord, get a word from God, and you begin to fight. Fight the fight of faith. Fight with the word of God. Fight with the promises of God. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen. That's what preaching here is for. Preaching, listen, it's supposed to come and you've already been at home reading the word of God. You've already been getting into the promises. And when I start preaching, you just start saying, yes, amen, brother. I read that last week. Yes, that confirms what was going on in my life. Things that are coming out of classes and singing ought to just encourage you from what you've been doing already. So David sets out in some direction. There's a voice behind him saying, go this way. And I just love this, man. I mean, I just love this. you got to see this. Go, go, go with me to First uh, Samuel 30, 11 through 17. Because some of you are saying when the stock market falls and all the jobs belly up, how in the world am I going to make it? How in the world... Is my family going to eat? How in the world are we going to survive? How in the world when, 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 uh, when businesses and different things start uh, being affected and nations start being affected, how will God deliver me? How do you think God delivered David right here? How is God going to deliver David's family, his wives and children? Nothing worse than having your wives and children kidnapped. How do you think God's about to deliver a man and recover everything? And that was my second point a while ago. Uh, is this, Brother Wayne, it was that, uh, listen, recovering all, he's never going to get back his house. It's not like going to the good old days. 
It's not like we're going back to the good old days. Because the houses are burned. Some of his possessions are gone. He's not going back to get some of those things. But, but what they really cared about was the things that really mattered. It was his family. It was his children. And yeah, they're going to recover a lot of possessions and they're going to even take some of theirs. But folks, it's just it's more. It's what they, they did, the things that really mattered. And I want to say that because now our lifestyles may change in the, in the, in the days ahead, folks. But God's going to take care of what really matters. Okay? And so listen to what he says in uh, Isaiah 30, 11 through 17. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece. Of, so what they found is a half-dead Egyptian boy. That's your little... God, are you serious? A half Dead Egyptian boy in the desert is my deliverance? Out of all the ways you can deliver me, you choose a half-dead little boy, no-name boy in the desert. That's how you're going to recover all our stuff. 600 wives, 600, uh, more than that, children. You're going to do it through a little boy like this? This is what you're doing. Are you crazy? You can't, yes, a slave. You can't even imagine how God's going to get the trucks into cities. You can't even imagine how God's going to provide for you. You can't even imagine the way that God has got to take care of His people in the last day of time. Trust Him and quit looking to do it your way. And so they found a half-dead Egyptian boy. Come on, it may not be Viva Health. It may not be Eminem Tire. It may not be Brookside Church of God. It may not be, you know, whatever. Whoever you work for. Your 401k may dry up and be gone tomorrow, blown away. Then they found an Egyptian in the field. They brought him to David. They gave him some bread. He ate it. They let him drink water. They gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk no water in three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? Look, he's going out. I don't, we don't know where we're going. We're going to find these people who raided our vision. Well, let's just follow the voice and the leading of God. Let's follow the Spirit where He tries to move us to go. And then all of a sudden they wind up on a boy. They bring a boy to David. He's out there. They feed the boy. And all of a sudden David David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you going from? And he just so happened to say, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of the Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of somewhere in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the south, southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. What a coincidence! And David said to him, Can you, if you don't think God's sovereignly in control of everything, He doesn't wind this thing up and just let it go. He is sovereignly involved in, in everything. 
And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down there, they spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except for 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. And that's where it comes back down. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. And he goes on down, he recovered even more than than, than what he had had before. So, So it's absolutely amazing that God has millions of ways that God can deliver His people. It's just absolutely no end to the way that God can come in and deliver somebody that's facing situations like David did. I remember when the church flooded here and I remember when we went to the Lord in prayer. I had nothing else but prayer. I found out that we didn't have flood insurance. And I remember this place flood up to the stage. And I'm like, I'm ready just to give up. I don't know what to do. The only thing I know to do is to go to the Lord in prayer. We had nothing else. We don't have money to pay for the stuff back. Just go to the Lord in prayer. And all of a sudden, let me tell you, God moved on a, on a guy back here that was drinking and just, just not even in church. And God moves on him to come with a sheetrock knife. And they know sheetrock like the back of his hand. He just starts cutting out walls like an Egyptian in the desert. He just brings somebody in and starts saying, how am I going to deliver your church, Brad? This is how I'm going to do it. I'll put his carpenter's tool in the guy right behind you. And you don't have money in the bank? Don't worry. Because we were standing out there just in front. And people just started riding by and said, what's going on here? Were y'all part of the flood? Oh, let me get my checkbook out. And they just began to write checks to the church multiple times coming across here. My goodness, God has ways to deliver His people. And that's why David wrote things like this. He delivered me into a large and pleasant place and He delivered me because He delighted in me. He did it because He loves me. He delivers me because He delights in me. He's going to deliver you because He delights in you. David didn't know it. David was about a few seconds away. David is about to be king. David is just this far from being king. He's not, he's not wanting to kill David. He's not wanting to destroy David. He delights in David. He's about to move David into the most incredible place of his life. But sometimes God takes us through things because he, they are redemptive in nature. He knows how to bring us into the desired result. He knows how to get us to the place where we're going to be king, where we're going to be in this type of ministry, where we're going to be in this job, where we're going to be in this place in our family or our marriage and God knows how to work through calamity and all sorts of situations to bring about your deliverance. Amen. Hallelujah. No matter what's going on, and you've got to get this, please, if you're writing nothing else in your Bible right now, write, no matter what's going on, God delights in me. If you get laid off tomorrow fired, God still delights in you. If you come home and your your family's kidnapped, God still delights in you. You cannot lose that fact. God delights in you. If COVID spreads all over the world and people start dying left and right, God still delights in you. God delights in you. 
and, 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 and uh, uh, when there's fear and trembling, oh God, help us to remember there comes a time to fight the faith. There comes a time to fight to get a word from you. There comes a time to weep, but there comes a time like David to press on and say, bring the ephod. I'm honey, turn, cancel all the appointments. I'm going into the prayer closet. I'm going in to talk to God. I'm stepping aside from all the secular voices. I'm stepping aside from all even the Christian voices. I'm stepping aside and I'm going to get alone with God. I've got to have a word from the Father. Amen? Fight with the Scripture. Fight. Fight. And, 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 and know that God is absolutely faithful. Let me, let me read one verse in, in closing. And Johnny, in a minute, you can start making your way up here and you had something you wanted to share. Isaiah 35, go with me there and let me read the next part of that verse. Verse 4 in closing. He says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, Be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance and with the recompense of God. He will come and He will save you. He will come and He will save you. While the world is shaken, folks, you've got to understand this, while everything is spinning out of control, God is in the process of shaking. That's why I started this by telling you, please, when, when the news reports come and all the things start changing, let's not react emotionally and soulish. Please. Please, let's be different because while the world is spinning out of control, I can tell you this, God is moving all that towards saving us. He wasn't caught off guard by Ziklag. He wasn't caught off guard by their wives and children. No, He was using it to save them. He was moved, using it to move David into the palace of being the king. He's using the chaos of this world events to bring about your salvation right now. To bring about that loved one you've been praying about. To bring about the salvation of this community you've been praying about. He's using the chaos that's going on in the world right now to save us, not to harm us. And He's faithful to save even in the midst of calamity. Amen. Amen. Father, we love You. We thank You, God, for Your Word. God, there is a time to weep and there is a time to fight for our faith. There is a time to fight. To fight to get a Word. To fight to get into the Scriptures. To fight... To, 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 uh, to fight on our knees in prayer. To hear the voice of God. Bring me the ephod. Bring me the ephod. I, I've got to get a word. These others are just talking about, they're just arguing. They're wanting to stone leadership. They're, wanting to, they're looking for somebody to blame. I'm not looking, God, and I don't believe you're looking for somebody to blame. You're looking for a remedy. And so I'm going to get the ephod and I'm going to, you're going to give me the remedy out of this thing. You're going to show me the way out. You're going to show me how to recover all. And so God, I'm not interested in fighting. I'm not interested in blaming. I'm interested in a remedy. Dear God, help us now in the situations that we find ourselves in. Give us the answer. Give us the remedy. So I'm going into the book. I'm going into prayer. And I'm going to get a word myself. I'm going to drown out all the other voices. And I'm going to hear what you have to say to me, God. And you will be the voice inside of me and behind me saying, this is the way. Walk in it, Brad. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. And we give you the praise. In Jesus' name.